0: This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. This has been a good road trip for us, and and oftentimes these are are the hardest ones to win when you're uh, on your way home after this game, but uh, there's always something different about playing here where I'm expecting our guys to have more energy than they've had the entire trip
1: the calgary flames can cap off a perfect road trip post all-star break they go for win five in a row as they take on the new york rangers who are on a streak of their own welcome into a monday edition of sportsnet today it's logan gordon along with you live in the doug Lacey's basement systems downtown studios on another calgary flames game day. And wouldn't it be something to talk about a perfect four-game road trip for the Calgary Flames, they take on the New York Rangers, who are also on a four-game winning streak. It'll be a tough challenge tonight for the Flames, but they've been playing some great hockey of late. We will get you all set up for today's matchup. Take you inside the Flames' locker room on this Monday. Hear from more from head coach Ryan Huska, Kevin Rooney. Andre Kuzmenko and Oliver Shillington all coming your way on a Flames game day. Flames and the New York Rangers drop the puck just after 5 o'clock here on Sportsnet 960. Pat Steinberg has your Flames warm up at 4 o'clock. Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson have Flames hockey at 5 p.m. right here on your home of the Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960. The Fan fan feedback line open to you at 960-960. would love to hear from you if you're listening to the show on this Monday. My outstanding producers are Cam and Chan along with us this afternoon. Again, we're in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. So our friends at Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, Cracked Foundation, Boeing Foundation walls, they have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems, they're all things basement-y visit DLBasementSystems.com. We'll also check in with our Monday regular, Emily Sadler from Sportsman.ca. We're using the dynasty word now for the Kansas City Chiefs. They pull off a big win Sunday in Las Vegas. Super Bowl champions for the second straight year as they down the San Francisco 49ers. So all of your post-Super Bowl thoughts, We'll hit up with Emily a little bit later on this hour. But of course, we're starting with the Red Hot Calgary Flames. They have defeated the New York Islanders 5-2 on Saturday to win their fourth straight game. That has pushed them within one point of the final wild card spot in the Western Conference. Then on Monday they'll take on a Rangers squad that's also 1-4 in a row. Flames looking for their first five-game win streak. Since April 2022, between April 4th and the 12th, they went on a five-game win streak. They're looking to repeat that tonight. This four-game winning streak for both teams sees some pretty similar stats. Obviously, both teams with 4-0 records. During that four-game win streak, Flames have scored 15 goals. Rangers have scored 16. Flames have allowed six goals. Rangers allowed seven power play despite uh the four game win streak the rangers haven't scored on the power play in four straight wins flames power play clicking at 40% power uh, penalty kill at 88.9% rangers operating at 85.7 this is a massive one for the calgary flames and we asked the question who will play hero for the calgary flames monday night in new york it's been a different cast of heroes Every single night for the Calgary Flames since returning from the All-Star break. Take you back to Boston. I think fair to say Jonathan Huberto, the hero against the Bruins. A goal two assists, Perhaps his best night as a Calgary Flame. Showing off some instant chemistry with newly acquired Andre Kuzmenko. You can make it a case for Nazem Kadri as well. Three assists on the night, just another solid performance back with Martin Pospisil and Connor Zeri. But let's say Jonathan Huberto is your hero against Boston. Well, we go into New Jersey, Noah Hannafin has a pretty outstanding game. Almost 28 minutes of time on ice for number 55, who contributes two primary assists on third-period goals to help the Flames to a win. Over the New Jersey Devils. Pretty damn good. Saturday morning slash afternoon. The New York Islanders and the Calgary Flames. Well, Mackenzie Weger, How about a hat trick for the NHL goal leader by defenseman now? The Calgary Flames are using their depth. Perhaps better than we've ever seen from this core group of players. This is not a team that will rely on the same personnel night in, night out to get the job done. And here we are on the perhaps precipice of a five-game winning streak. And the Calgary Flames have started to do what we thought would be the the formula for this team winning. Spread it around. It's not going to be... Jonathan Huberto every night. It's not going to be Nazem Kadri every night. It might be Jacob Markstrom every night. Uh, that's becoming pretty clear. Because while I listed off three different heroes in the three road games the Flames have played post-All-Star break, uh, Jacob Markstrom has made a pretty compelling case that he could have been the star in every one of those games. He was the NHL's first star of the week. Not surprising. He's led the Flames to those three straight road victories out of the All-Star break. Crisp 2.00 goals against average. 9.39 save percentage. Got them within that final playoff spot in the West. Made 21 saves over the Bruins. 37 saves against the uh, New Jersey Devils. And a 35 save performance. Including 16 saves in the third period. Against the New York Islanders. And Jacob Markstrom has been absolutely phenomenal after a 1-6-1 and start to the season. It's been incredible to watch number 25. And as you've probably heard over the weekend, it's why I think some teams like perhaps the New Jersey Devils have such an interest in the Flames goaltender who is playing absolutely Insane right now. The Flames will turn to Jacob Markstrom once again in goal tonight as they take on the New York Rangers. Let's uh, hear from a couple members of the Calgary Flames to bring you the latest from the Flames locker room every edition here on Sportsnet today, starting with the head coach, Ryan Huska. Lots to like for his group on this road trip. They'll look to finish it off in style tonight against the New York Rangers and push their winning streak to five games with checking with the head coach Ryan Huska on a game day, Flames and the New York Rangers. Well, coach, we know um, how, how
2: good results-wise this road trip's been, but to be able to close it the right way here tonight, I'd imagine
0: would be significant for your group. Yeah, it would be a nice thing. This has been a good road trip for us, and, and oftentimes these are, are the hardest ones to win when you're uh, on your way home after this game. But I, there's always something different about playing here where I'm expecting our guys to have more energy than they've had the entire trip. All right, thanks a <laughs> <Wow>. lot.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <That was quick. laughs> <laughs> Gotta put a bow <laughs> on <laughs> uh, it. Ryan, I know that... I- we talked about it the other night a little bit about some of the contributions from the blue line, but McKenzie leading the league in goals among defensemen this year. What have you seen maybe compared to last year that's enabled him to sort of have that explosion off
0: the uh, You know, I, I don't really know what the answer would be for that. Um, McKenzie this year, one thing I, I guess that stands out if you were to look at um, his numbers would be he's shooting the puck way more. Um, and I think with him being on his offside with Raz, he gets a lot more opportunities to shoot because I feel like brass feeds him a lot so he he's not afraid to shoot the puck which is a good thing and he's got a he's got a sneaky shot where um, it's not the hardest shot but he's got a way of getting it away quickly where it makes it difficult for the goalies to read.
1: There's a skill set too in playing that offside that a lot of guys can't do but yeah. he can successfully what sort of enables him to do that?
0: Uh, it is a hard thing to do um, a lot of times it's feet um, you have to be able to position yourself the right way to be able to handle pucks properly and and he's good with his feet he he knows how to do that with his body, I think, from probably years of practice, too. Um, you, you get a you know, a better idea of, of how to play that offside. Um, but that, to me, is the, the biggest thing for him. is um, It would be his footwork, I guess, to get himself in the positions that he can handle the puck and make plays with the puck. Talked to a number of coaches about how they...
1: Um, of course, I'm getting a call. <laughs> how, just how they handle um, this time of the year. When their team... Is in that the rumors the reports and all that stuff and you know what's going on you can't be blind to it but you have a day-to-day job to do so how what's your philosophy on how to handle we've been
0: yeah sorry to cut you off there but we've been in that situation all year so for us it's it's been about getting them to focus on when you're at the rink this is your job make sure you come here and enjoy your time here and then you play to the best of your ability and that's been our expectations from day one and I I've said multiple times that I feel like our leaders have done a great job of making sure that anything that's going on away from our team, um, they they push it aside, and they've done a real good job with that. Even with some of those leaders being involved in it, too, right? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, everybody's potentially involved in in it all the time. That's the way it is. That's the business, and... um, like I said, I, I think all you can do is focus on what's right in front of you, and they have a job to do, and that's come and play their very best, and that's that's all that we can ask of them.
2: I know we've talked about them a lot, um, but what's really stood out about the way Jacob's come back out of the break and what he's given your team here <laughs> yeah. over these three games?
0: I don't think it's just after the break. I mean, he, he was that way for the majority part of the year for us. Like He was giving us chances to win when maybe our team game wasn't where it needed to be, and... Um, he he came back with a bit of an attitude or a little bit of fire um, in his belly and and he's he's been very consistent with what he's done I will say I think um, Jason has done an excellent job with him and our other goaltenders this year and working with them and and finding the areas where uh, you know he can build some confidence, but at the same time, push them the right way. And I think he's done a real good job with Jake. As you focus on your own game, what do you notice about the Rangers as they're kind of with a little momentum as well? right now? Yeah, they've won four in a row. I think they're up to that point right now and they're playing good hockey as well. So, you know, this team is an interesting team. They don't give you up a lot, but they've got some high end skill that if you give them too much room, they're going to make you pay. So um, this is a night we're looking forward to and, and we're expecting to be a good game.
3: Kind of on the flip side of all the trade rumors, you bring in a new player and you're on a road trip right away. So there's no distractions with him back home in Calgary. Has it helped you get to know him
0: a little bit better on the road? Sure. I mean, we're around each other a lot more on the road than we would be at home. And I think it's a good thing for a guy to be around his new teammates, too, because you're at the hotel, you're at the rink. And that's pretty much it. So it gives him an opportunity to to meet some of his new teammates um, and feel a lot more comfortable probably than he would be if we would be starting at home.
3: With that as well, have you noticed any guys gravitate toward him a little bit more on the road or try to just show him around even though you aren't at home?
0: It's funny thing with him, he gravitates to everyone. No, <laughs> nobody really has to gravitate to him, but um, you know, the one obvious guy would be Sharon Govich because they do speak the same language a little bit, but other than that, he's been floating around everybody in our room, which is nice to see. Different year, different team, but what do you remember about the last time the group was, was yeah. here about that game? It was one of the more intense games that I've been a part of standing on the bench. It was... Uh, You know, a lot of people talked about that as being the game of the year. It had everything in it, and it was a lot of fun to be a part of. There was physicality. There was great skilled plays in the game. The building was awesome. Um, So it was one of those games that I know the players that were involved in it will remember for sure.
1: There you go. Checking in with the head coach, Ryan Huska, on a game day Monday. Flames and the New York Rangers, second and final meeting between these two teams this season. Flames lost their only meeting with New York 3-1 back earlier this season at the Dome. Flames have had some success against New York, though. 6-0-1 in their previous seven meetings with the Rangers, uh, picking up a pretty good shooting percentage. They've scored 32 goals in those wins. And Ryan Huska mentioned, if you go back to last season, uh, this battle in New York got pretty testy between both teams. We'll see if that same sort of mentality is on the line tonight for these teams, both of them coming in winning four straight. Uh, let's continue to hear from the Flames on a game day. Let's check in with uh, a guy that knows New York pretty well, Kevin Rooney. Uh, Guy's been around the league a little while, spent some time in New York, been part of this remade fourth line for the Calgary Flames. that's given them success. He's had uh, his first goal as a member of the Flames during this road trip. Kevin Rooney checking in with the media following Morning Skate in New York
2: back here and uh, getting an
4: opportunity to play again, just uh, this time on the opposite side. Yeah, it's obviously really special to be back and uh, playing against the team I played for for a couple of years. Last year it was a it was a bummer not being a part of that entertaining uh, game they had here. So um, hopefully we can have another one like that, but come out on top. Well, you've had your fair share of them,
2: though. Um, you know, I guess it was probably more with the Rangers. Uh, you were in some big games here uh, during your time. I mean, maybe just explain sort of what this building feels like when it gets ramped up like it was here last year.
4: Yeah, it's just a really special building to play in. Um, you got the New York fans that are very passionate um, and really appreciate kind of the little things in the game, whether that be you know a block shot, a big. Hit or a clear on the PK, so it was always uh, it was always fun uh, playing in front of them, and obviously you know MSG very special building. Um, you know, so a lot of great memories in here. They're not afraid to give it to the visitors, so I guess that's something you're gonna
2: be listening for here tonight, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, they're
4: they're yeah, like I said, New York fans are tough. So, uh, yeah. yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be fun to be on the other side of it tonight to experience it. So, um, you know, there's a lot of guys over there, familiar faces and whatnot, and yeah. you know, excited to go to war against
2: them. Well, and a team that seems to be feeling it right now, much like you guys are. I mean, what is the challenge against one of the top teams in the metro, right?
4: Yeah, I think they're a really good team. Kind of got a little bit of blend of uh, both the island. And the Devils, um, as far as they got skill, and then um, with the new coach this year, it seems like they got a lot of structure um, defensively and through the neutral zone. So I think it's going to be a, a big test for us. I mean, um, top team in the league and yeah, like I said, a lot of skill and a lot of structure so um, we got to be ready to go from the get-go. One last one for me and that's just sort of you
2: know following up on what we've talked about a couple times now with you and, and what you've been able to establish as a trio, as a group, it seems like you guys have been able to slowly, slowly build throughout this road trip. Is that kind of how it's felt too? Yeah,
4: definitely and I think the um, communication off the ice has been great. I think um, all three of us kind of bring something different to the table and right now we're complementing each other well so um, we're going to continue to you know stick to our identity as line be simple early um, you know and then i think we'll go from there and start making our plays like we, we kind of saw uh, last game so you know it's been exciting uh, playing with these two guys That chemistry with pelts has just got to fit right in right? Just, yeah been, we've, been, we've been going uh, uh, together now for a while so i um, had to avoid him a couple nights on the trip here because it's been a long road trip with me and him so um, yeah ex- really happy to be playing with him and seeing him succeed as well too
1: Flames forward Kevin Rooney checking in with the media ahead of this battle against the New York Rangers. You mentioned that's a tough team across the, from the Flames tonight. The New York Rangers, uh, third in the Eastern Conference, coming into action on Monday behind just the Florida Panthers and the Boston Bruins. They got 33 wins on the season, including of course that four-game winning streak that they are on. Some top-end players scoring for them. Chris Kreider just continues to do his thing. Uh, Artemi Panarin maybe going a bit under the radar. He's had a bounce back season offensively. He's got 68 points in 52 games. Mika Zibanejad, uh, of course Adam Fox from here to Flames fans uh, should be a good game but some interesting names as well, we'll get to see Blake Wheeler in a uh, Rangers jersey. That'll be something a little bit new Tyler Pitlick forever aflame uh, part of this New York Rangers team as well and the interesting goaltending tandem Igor Shesterkin. And uh, Jonathan Quick, who's come in of late, uh, not the best year for Shesterkin. rocketing 286 goals against and an 899 save percentage. We've just seen Jonathan Quick get uh, a lot of the play of late with the 227 goals against and a 919 save percentage. So uh, Rangers with pretty high expectations this season. We'll see what they look like as the Flames match up with them on Monday night. One more check in from the Flames locker room on a game day. Let's hear from Oliver Shillington. Uh, back playing on a regular basis with the Calgary Flames has been a great story Uh, it's been great to see Oliver on the ice on a consistent basis and making up an interesting new third pairing with Braden Pahal who came over from the Las Vegas Golden Knights as a waiver claim Uh, with him and Shillington look like they've got some instant chemistry let's hear from number 58 on a game day
2: Obviously, the road trip been pretty successful at this point, but I'd imagine you look at this last one and think
3: I mean, you could turn a really, really good road trip into a great one, yeah, so no yeah, for sure, for sure, I feel every game is important, but yeah, this be huge for our group to get this win to finish this a good road trip off so uh everyone is excited uh it's a good building to play in and yeah i think everyone's looking forward to it
2: these nights when you get a chance to play at msg and you know, obviously one of the top teams in the east too uh, yeah it seems to hold kind of a significance to it doesn't it? when you get a chance to play in
3: yeah i mean it's not i don't think it's hard to prepare for a game like this i think everyone is excited and everyone has has uh, a good feeling in their system for for tonight so i think uh, in general uh, everyone knows what we have to do and uh, we just have to apply it tonight uh, new new d partner uh, once the all-star break uh finished
2: the uh, last three games here you and what would it be made of uh you know the first three games together and just the way that it's
3: kind of evolved No, i think we've been solid uh, Good guy, um, yeah, I think I, I try to help him just you know set him set himself in in, in the group and, and and make him feel as comfortable as possible, but I think he's been doing a good job and and I, he's very simple to play with and and I think our games uh you know shows that, uh, that it helps out a lot for sure
2: yeah it seems like it seems like your game would kind of you know support each other in that way like the you know, yeah, styles sure. of games
3: right yeah for sure i feel he's very very physical and he can move the puck well and he skates well so yeah. i think we complement each other good out there
2: what about your uh just the way you felt here over the last three games and uh, you know looks like you know steady both of you guys back there but just um, you know maybe the way it's evolved and, and the feel of it for you
3: i feel good i feel good i i know there's more to get out of me, uh, but but I feel good. I, I feel like I'm progressing towards the right way and I feel like I'm I'm playing pretty well, so I just want to keep this going and, and uh, approach uh, every game as a new game. The dynamic around this team, though, right now—I mean, the confidence—it seems like
2: that's kind of grown too. Is that fair to say that this group is, you know, feels good about where they're at and and, and what they're
3: capable of? Yeah, for sure. I feel like this group is, is very tight, and and I think everyone believes in each other. And I think sometimes you just have to remind each other that that you know we still we still are. Good, good group of, of players, and then I think what well, we are, we, we, we can play good hockey. So um, no, it looks good right now. I think we just have to uh, be consistent with our play.
1: There you go, Oliver in our final check-in on the Flames locker room following morning skate in New York. Flames and Rangers both putting four-game winning streaks on the line Monday night. It'll be Jacob Markstrom versus Igor Shesterkin, your goaltending battle between the Flames. And the Rangers not expecting any lineup changes for the Calgary Flames. Heading into tonight's matchup again, 4 o'clock. Flames warm up with Pat Steinberg, 5 o'clock, Derek Wills, and Megan Mickelson on the call for some Flames hockey here on Sportsnet 960. The fan, uh, a couple of texts on the text line to get to it, Uh, 960-960. Flames are three points out. Where are you guys getting one point away? They were one point away. They got them within a point when they beat New York on Saturday. Um, that's obviously changed since then and they are three points out heading into tonight's game, but they were at one point, Shan, they were one point out for like, like a few seconds, a few too. seconds. It wasn't very long.
5: Cause the blues got their win right after. And then a seven, two win against the Habs last night yeah. or yesterday. I don't know. And then the predators got a win too. It's, it's this could uh, turn out to be one, one fun race. I, I, I call it a race to the, the trade deadline. Cause I think these are, Three teams in very interesting spots. We saw Nashville sell off a little bit um, and almost make the playoffs. So I don't know. I'm 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 curious to see how
1: this how this all turns out before the the March eighth deadline. Uh, we're talking about uh, some of the heroes the Flames have had on this three game road trip so far. And uh, Wedley says forever Arranger Ranger Kevin Rooney is the hero we deserve, but didn't know we needed. Kevin Rooney's been a really cool story here. I mean. He could not get it figured out last year under Daryl Sutter. He played 17 games in the NHL last year before being sent down to the AHL, and we didn't see him again. And everyone wondered, okay, youth movement, maybe there's a fourth-line spot, gets hurt in training camp, kind of out of sight, out of mind, and then all of a sudden the Flames' depth kind of gets tested. Razichka gets claimed on waivers. And him and are come back and say, okay, maybe that's the fourth line answer that we've been waiting for. And they have been. It's been a really nice change for this team and something that is worth talking about. I know the fourth line doesn't have the same impact on a night-to-night basis, but for Ryan Huska to not have to shorten his bench every night and you know hammer down on the three lines above, it's been so good. And Pelche's part of that. And same with Walker Dewar. So, yeah, I don't know that there'll be a big... Return video for Kevin Rooney tonight. I, I can't see that happening, but not a Pierre Engvall situation. I, I don't see that happening, but you never know. That's classy organization in New York. Maybe they maybe they may really miss Kevin Rooney in there. Do you think he uh pulls a Pierre Engvall and gets the game winner? He could, I
5: could see it. That'd be fun. Yeah, I, I've been happy with, with how Rooney came back this year. I mean, he, he was he was the definition of fired up coming back. Uh, and getting back to the NHL action, you're right. Like Pelletier, Rooney, that, that's a little duo I didn't think any of us really expected. Um, it, it's good to see that the fourth line is is not what I would call a liability.
1: Uh, Flames and Rangers, part of four games on the NHL schedule tonight, including a doubleheader on Rogers Monday Night Hockey. It's of course, 5 o'clock puck drop across the Sportsnet television network after the Flames and Rangers finish up. You can watch the Wild in Las Vegas taking on the Golden Knights. Also at 5 o'clock, Seattle taking on the New Jersey Devils. Arizona is in Philly to take on the Flyers. We will take a break. We'll come back on the other side, switch things over to a little bit of NFL talk. The season has come to an end in the NFL, and same as last year, the Kansas City Chiefs are champs once again. They're talking three-peat already in KC. We'll get Emily Sadler's thoughts on that next. She writes for SportsNet.ca, and she's our Monday regular She joins the program next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Well, another NFL season is in the books. Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Super Bowl champions once again, 25-22. Victor over the San Francisco 49ers in Las Vegas. Scoreless after one quarter. We wondered where this thing was going at about halftime. But after Usher rollerbladed around, things got going. A little bit of overtime sprinkled in there. We have uh, champions to talk about again. Fun ride to get here and no one else we'd rather chat about an exciting Super Bowl with than our pal Emily Sadler from sportsnet.ca. She joined us all season long talking NFL on Mondays. Emily, happy Monday. How are you?
6: Happy Monday. I'm good. I'm in disbelief that the season is over. I know. What do I do with my Sundays? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God.
1: I know. I already came to that existential crisis last weekend. I was like, I'm not watching the Pro Bowl. I'm not watching <laughs> NHL All-Star. What is? What do I do now? What do I do? I have a whole day of of hours and things to be productive with. I won't be, but I, I could.
6: It's always kind of nice. Like I appreciate the Pro Bowl Sunday because they sort of like give us a practice run of hey, here's what it's going to be like for you now.
1: <laughs> you yeah.
6: Have a whole, you have a whole extra day of the week. What are you going to do with
1: this? <laughs> yeah, it's just every time it's this, ah. Uh, I wish it was football. That's, I, just, I wish you guys just kept playing all year long. But uh, we got a pretty exciting end to it. How did you enjoy uh, your Super Bowl Sunday?
6: Oh, my gosh. Wasn't it just the best? Like, it yeah. was, you know, obviously the slow start on both sides there was a little bit maybe too close for comfort with that, like Rams-Patriots from a couple years ago <laughs> that it was sort of like, oh, no, what's what's happening here? Obviously, those who appreciate a good defensive game, I'm sure we're very happy. But, like, you cannot ask for anything more when it comes to, like, the end of that game. You know, as I've, I've actually got the replay going on right now. I've I've got it paused in the background, and I'm at – I'm in the fourth quarter, there are 16 seconds left, third and seven for Chiefs, down three points. I know what's going to happen, and yet still I'm like, oh, my gosh, just the intensity of it. It was, it was such a blast. And just knowing at that moment, like, I think we're going to get overtime in the Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> so just a really, really fun game.
1: Um, we've started to see a lot of people throw the dynasty word around for the Kansas City Chiefs after last night's victory. Are you – in the same category as, as others, are you ready to use that word when you describe this era of the Kansas City Chiefs?
6: Absolutely. I feel like I've been driving that bus. Like, I'm totally, like, if you had asked me this last year after they won the Super Bowl, I would still be sitting here being like, yes, let's call them a dynasty. Like, let's just go right ahead. Just knowing that, like, they are kind of, well, they seem like they're just still right at the beginning of it, right? So yeah. I'm I'm definitely not shy to throw that word around with them just to look at, what they've done and and to know that they've done it with this kind of same core group, right? When you look at the greats over the years, obviously Brady and Belichick, and then you look at what Mahomes and Andy Reid have been able to do. You look at Travis Kelsey in there and yeah, the rotating cast and maybe the players around them. But to me, that's really the definition of a dynasty. And um, definitely when you kind of look at what's ahead of them, like there was no element of this, of this season, or or sorry, of this kind of playoff run that was like, oh yeah, this is the last run, right? Like they've got such a long runway ahead of them still. Uh,
1: it was yesterday kind of a reminder that you just, when we get into these phases of football, you just don't bet against players like Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes, no matter. And look, you and me had the conversations during the season. It just, it didn't look like the, the Chiefs team that we had seen uh, throughout other regular seasons. But at the end of the day, it's going to be a mistake if you bet against these guys. This is kind of what it feels like.
6: Yeah, I think absolutely. Like, this game even more than games past, right, that you and I have talked about, like, just never bet against the Chiefs. And and you said it exactly right. Like, this season was kind of the season that they were looking vulnerable. Um, obviously, the struggles on offense that kind of lasted throughout the season. And then, you know, it, it was it was one of those, I think, I think all season long, we didn't talk about the defense enough because it was, you know, we're so used to talking about the the firepower on offense that it was sort of this like sneaky storyline that yeah. kind of crept up that was like, actually, they have one of the best defenses in the league. Um, but definitely just like another reminder that you never bet against Patrick Mahomes. And I think in this game in particular, I'm kind of, I mean, obviously I have the benefit now of knowing how it ended, but, you know, you're kind of thinking back thinking like there were maybe a handful of times watching this game that I thought, Oh man, they, they might actually be in trouble here. You know, just some, just some elements of of the game that we're just not used to seeing from the Chiefs, right? Like some fumbles, we saw Mahomes throw a pick. We saw frustrations aired on the sideline, which like, we're just, we're with a team that's as poised as the Chiefs. We're not used to seeing that. So I would say those were like this handful of tiny little moments, but overall, and especially in the second half, as they were kind of marching down the field late in the game, and then in overtime, there was just definitely this sense that, like, yeah, you just you can't bet against them. Like, you just have this confidence when they've got the ball that they're going to get the the job done.
1: Yeah, it was just it was ridiculous because even after Jake Moody hit that fifty-three yarder with a minute fifty-three left, I, mm-hmm. I think everybody just sat there and went. that was a mistake because you needed a touchdown there. If you were San Fran to really feel good about yourselves, because it's uh, first of all, minute 53 is too much time for most people, let alone (laughs) Patrick Mahomes. It just, it felt like it was very good. Like, don't get me wrong. I want to give San Fran props for holding them to a field goal to, to end the game. But it was just like, I kind of know Patrick Mahomes is going to find a way to get them into at least field goal range with a minute 53. Like, it felt like an inevitability, and that kind of speaks to just how good Patrick Mahomes is. They hadn't moved the ball all that well throughout the game, but in that moment, you were like, "Yeah, field goal range—that's that's nothing for Patrick."
6: That's, yeah, easy peasy, right? And yeah, just even even thinking about the defense there too, right? Steve Spagnuolo's decision to run the blitz on that third down to force San Francisco to just like say, "Okay, I guess we'll take the points. We'll try for the field goal attempt." Um, just like, just all around, just kind of like, I don't know, the poise on both sides of the ball to, as you said, just that belief that like, yeah, they're going to get it done. Um, just was never really, just didn't really waver there. And And I think, yeah, you can point to a couple of those sort of pivotal moments in this game where the Chiefs just, they, they made the better decision and they made the better play.
1: Uh, as far as the, the Chiefs and, and going forward now, Emily, they certainly weren't afraid post-game to start throwing around the three-peat term. And, <laughs> and I, was, I was amazed by that. I was like, wow, you guys have a focus already, and I loved it. But I, I'm curious. We haven't seen the, the off-season movement yet. We've seen the coaching carousel move around a bit, but player movement still to happen. Uh, as you sit here today and sort of process hearing the Chiefs talk about uh, a three-peat and the, the possibility of pushing for that, How do you like their chances of being able to do that?
6: I'm honestly like we've just been talking about never bet against them, and I'm not going to bet against them because I
1: just
6: look at this team and I think, yeah, you're going to have to. You've got you've got some decisions to face, right? Um, You have some some free agents uh, specifically on the defensive side of the ball that are going to be, you know, probably tough to retain. Obviously, the biggest being Chris Jones. He can break a game wide open, as we know. He's a free agent. LeJaria Snead, I believe, is due a new deal. So there are definitely some tough decisions to be made there. But when you look at the defense overall, um, I mean, they're the youngest defense in the league. I mean, the best defense in the league. I think probably the biggest um, kind of X factor, if you can call it that, is just the fact that Steve Spagnuolo is hanging around. Um, He's still there. He, you know, we saw other defensive coordinators get snatched up on the head coaching market. So we know that he's going to, you know, stay in town. I think there are some questions around how do you kind of tweak this offense? I don't think that they can sort of go through another season as challenging as this one offensively in terms of those weapons that are available to them. So, you know, I'll, I'll be curious to see kind of how they tackle that. But it, it also comes down to, you know, looking around, obviously, the rest of the league, the rest of the AFC, and it's it's not like the AFC is an easy conference to get out of. You're going to have the Bengals re-entering the conversation, which is something I almost, you know, forgot about that. I was thinking about, OK, can the Bills maybe do it? The Texans obviously came out of nowhere this year, but I, I sort of circled the Bengals as a Maybe the maybe the top challenger there, but it'll definitely be interesting to see kind of how Kansas City navigates this upcoming um, off season. But whenever, as we know, whenever you have a head coach like Andy Reid, whenever you've got your quarterback situation all ironed out, um, you're in such good shape and you're way ahead of the game.
1: Uh, she's Emily Sadler from sportsnet.ca joining us every Monday to break down uh, the latest around the NFL, of course, talking about a Super Bowl championship for the Kansas City Chiefs. On the other side of the ball, Heartbreak for the 49ers, Uh, that's a tough one for a team that had a lot of high expectations coming into this one. And I wonder, as we look back, and we've had a couple people text into our station about this today and go, are we not talking about that missed extra or the blocked extra point enough in this? I mean, I don't know that it's everything because there's more scoring that happens during the game, but, I mean, it's hard not to look back at that right now, Emily, and think that was a major turning point for how the game could have ended if you were San Fran having to force KC to score a touchdown late.
6: Yeah, I I couldn't agree more with that. And it's one of those things like that, the The final quarter of this game was so hectic that you almost do forget about that extra point <laughs> being blocked, right? Like it was yeah. just this, we, we take those extra points for granted for sure. And, and Jake Moody had been having an excellent game. And to me, he was someone, I think to a lot of people, he was someone to kind of, Um, you know, potential X factor there in terms of like, he's a rookie, he's missed some field goal attempts, he's missed some point afters, but you do take for granted those, those extra points. And so that for sure played a big role in it. And I think you can kind of point to a lot of different decisions, right? Um, They do kind of all add up, but in terms of just purely like, Hey, if you do the math, (laughs) yeah, there's no denying that that played a bigger role than I think we're all focusing on. Of course, we're all kind of, you know, looking at the, the overtime decision to take the ball first as sort of the decision, but there's always multiple factors there.
1: Uh, How do you look at Brock Purdy uh, after this game? I certainly (laughs) feel like he didn't lose it for them, but I don't know that he did enough to win it for them. At least that's how I feel about it.
6: Yeah. It's, it's, it's a tough one, right? It is. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. This game really felt like, it was going to be a referendum on Brock Purdy. <laughs> it was sort of like, okay, if they can finally win it and if he can finally win it, are we all going to agree? that, like, yes, he is a great quarterback. He, you know, has been – there's been this debate about game manager, which it's – I'm ready to put that one to bed because I I just feel like it's good to be a game manager. Yeah. <laughs> you want your quarterback to manage the game, and, you know, he's sort of been – um Plagued with this with this label, which I'm like, no, it's a good thing. I think he's great. Um, I do think he played really well. He, as you said, he certainly did not lose them the game. I think he did. Um, yeah, I, I'm trying to think like just sort of flipping the the outcome. Had they won this game, was he going to be the MVP? No, I I think Juwan Jennings should have gotten MVP. Yeah. Um, I was kind of laughing at that. You know that that first touchdown pass where it was like, oh man he didn't even throw the touchdown (laughs)
1: pass (laughs) yeah
6: but but you know what I think he played an excellent game and I think he to use the word managed I think he managed an excellent game and he's someone who um he did step up in some big plays I think he he still though like I, I think this game kind of um defers that debate until next season right because we didn't maybe totally get our fully slam dunk, convincing answer that like, yeah, he's elite. He deserves um, all the praise that he gets and he should get even more. So we kind of like put it off, put the decision off to next season.
1: (laughs) Uh, You give the San Fran D a lot of credit. Uh, They chased Patrick Mahomes around all night, but maybe just ran into a a case in the, at least in the back half of it. I I thought that D kind of was at least a pass rush. Emily suffered from the fact that their offense couldn't stay on the field very long. It's always key to get to Mahomes, And the first half was just a a chase fest for him. But I thought as the game went on and we saw some of those three and outs from the 49ers offense that, you know, the guy's got to go right back out there. And if you're Nick Bosa and chase young and, and Armstead, you're going, man, just an extra player two because this guy runs around all day long Mm -hmm. and we got to try to catch him and we got to stay in these passing lanes or else he, he bolts for 20 yards. Like, it's a lot harder than people give it credit for. I thought Tony Romo did a good job on the broadcast yesterday sort of you know showing people, hey, look, if Nick Bosa, you know, dives his shoulder in and goes inside on in here, Mahomes goes for 20 yards and that's easier said than done, but that D for the most part did a pretty good job of keeping him contained.
6: Yeah, I agree with you there and and it is yeah, it was a bit of a not as drastic as this but a bit of a tale of two games maybe for the defense and I do think for sure fatigue plays into that obviously the loss of Dre Greenlaw pretty early in the game too I think that was an element that um you know at first it it didn't seem to maybe get them down so much but I do think we kind of they kind of felt that um I would say though kind of sort of flipping that and looking at San Francisco's offense and how you know in the first half we saw quite a bit of reliance on the run game and you know just eating up time and and I know it's so cliche to be like well the best way to stop Mahomes is to keep Mahomes off the field yeah but you know it's true and I think we did see Shanahan kind of stray from the run game a little bit in the second half and you know we saw him kind of return to it in overtime, so we obviously know that that was that that was working um but yeah, I think definitely maybe some fatigue fits in there, and then of course, you know giving Kansas City's offense the credit for just making those kind of adjustments too and and as soon as you know you saw i think we saw them all kind of settle in um kind of midway through that third quarter there and and sort of understand better what they were seeing from San Francisco's defense. So, yeah, I think kind of a kind of a mix of, of all of the above, to be honest with you. But for sure, just chasing him all around in the in the first half, it really did seem like, oh man, they they might have they might have his number here. But of course, as we've already <laughs> said, never count out Mahomes.
1: Uh... Any problem with San Francisco taking the ball first in overtime? I, I've seen that a lot, but I'm not sure <laughs> I I feel as strongly as others do on it.
6: I feel very strongly about
1: you it. You do? Okay, that's of, good.
6: I have some opinions on Let's this. Let's go. I, I mean, okay, When it, when we're talking like normal overtime rules, for sure, like I can see kind of both sides. When we're talking about this new playoff overtime rule, to me, like there's, There's a very clear right answer and a wrong answer. You, the better play is not to take the ball first. The better play is to defer because to me, if, so let's look at the chiefs, right? They get the ball second. They know what they need. They know what they need to do to win. They have all the information, right? They know, okay, if we're going to tie it, we're going to get a field goal. We need a touchdown to win this game. Um, and and then even just looking at I'm, – I'm sort of trying to understand, like, why – yeah, why Shanahan did this. Was it, as you kind of mentioned, maybe some fatigue from the defense, wanting to give them a little bit of extra time away from the play there? But to me, it's just sort of such a clear, like, you also, as we know with this rule, a defensive score – just wins the game outright as well. So by taking the ball in the, with the second possession, you're actually giving your team two chances to end this game with a score. And so, yeah, to me, that was kind of a baffling decision. And and I think really like the, the even worse kind of part of this was just to hear from some of the players after the game, some of the 49ers players saying, you know what, I'll be honest, I didn't really understand the rule or yeah. I didn't know the rule And to me like that's even more egregious, like maybe, you know, maybe hearing from Shanahan on his decision to take the ball first. Like I'm sure he had so many reasons and I easy for me to sit here and be like, Nope, they were all wrong. Um, (laughs) But definitely to hear from players being like, yeah, I didn't really know the rules. Didn't really know. Didn't maybe understand our game plan there. Like that's that you, that's kind of inexcusable to me. Um, you have to go through every single possible outcome, every single possible decision. It's the Super Bowl. You know, this is a new rule for everybody. It's the first time we've seen it seen it played out. Um, but that to me, yeah, was just sort of inexcusable. And, and, I mean, I'm sure everyone will learn from this one.
1: Uh, I asked you what, what's next for the Kansas City Chiefs and how we look at them heading into the offseason. Oh, that's the same for the 49ers who had a great season, have a lot of their offensive pieces locked up for next season. How do you feel about San Francisco before the player movement uh, of the offseason begins and we look at them heading into next year?
6: Yeah, they're definitely an interesting case, too. And I think it's going to be just all about going all in around Brock Purdy. You know, he has this wonderfully affordable contract for one more year. And you have to take advantage of that. Uh, you know, maybe we're deferring the, the debate on Purdy, but I, just, I think there's no question that he's the guy. Um, he's the guy at least for another season, especially with that contract, you know, build around him. It, it, it's hard to look at the 49ers. Like, we can look at other teams and really pinpoint, like, one thing. That's, like, the one issue. But for the 49ers, like, They're such a complete team. They have elite playmakers at every single position. I think right now it's just going to be like that one final push. And that's like such a a non-answer from me, but you know, you have all of these elite players making a lot of money. And so you just have to really take advantage of the fact that your quarterback is on this affordable deal for one more year. And let's just go all in, push in all the chips. I think the NFC is still quite winnable kind of looking around at maybe other challengers. Obviously the lions are the, the obvious answer there. Um, Maybe the Eagle comeback. I don't know. Um, (laughs) Or sneaky Rams. I'm curious to see what they'll do as, as a challenger there, but I do think the NFC can still very much be theirs and it'll just be maybe a lot of the mental game as well. You know, there's the narrative around Kyle Shanahan. Now he can't win the big one. And I think it's just going to all be about this quest for redemption.
1: Uh, Emily, great stuff as always. I uh, really appreciate you hopping on with us every Monday. It's been a great uh, time. I've really loved watching, uh, reading your stuff on sportsnet.ca, and you've been such a great guest for us uh, here on 960. It's not goodbye. We're still going to have you on the show. We're going to chat some, <laughs> some hockey and some PWHL. Yeah. But uh, as the NFL season comes to a, a wrap, I just wanted to take a quick second and say thank you uh, for bringing such great content to the show. I really appreciated it.
6: Well, thank you, Logan. Honestly, it's been such a fun season. It's been such a joy hopping on every Monday and talking football with you, and I'm I'm so glad that we can keep it going with some hockey talk. So yes. thank you so much.
1: thank you. I hope we can do it again next NFL season, Emily.
6: Great. Take care.
1: Yeah, you too. Bye now. Emily Sadler joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline for sportsnet.ca. She's been our Monday regular chatting all things NFL this season. Uh, you can find her on Twitter at Emmy Sadler. Great stuff, Uh, not only on NFL, which covers hockey, PWHL, and more uh, for sportsnet.ca. And just want to, again, take a quick thank you uh, to Emily for joining us this year and uh, being a great uh, NFL guest, wrapping up everything on a Monday for us here on Sportsnet 960. Uh, We're going to take a break, come back on the other side, turn things over to Flames Talk with Pat Steinberg. It's a Flames game day. It's the Flames and the New York Rangers, both teams, putting four-game win streaks on the line. The Flames looking to finish off A four-game road trip with a perfect record. Jacob Markstrom versus Igor Shosturkin is your goaltending matchup. 4 o'clock, Flames warm-up. 5 o'clock, Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson have the call right here on your home of Flames Hockey. This is Sportsnet 960. Thanks to Emily Sadler. Thanks to Shannon Cam for their great work this hour. We're back tomorrow to break it all down here on Sportsnet 960. The fans.